0: Thank you so much for that introduction, Rajul, and uh, thank you to everyone for being here today. Um, this has been a long labor of love project. Um, it's received generous support from probably lots of university departments, of people whose time has been contributed to this, um, definitely to our um, CGIAR research program on policies, institutions, and markets. Um, so I'd like to really thank them um, for making this happen. And without further ado, I want to jump into talking about the, the topic of our of our policy seminar today, can information improve rural governance and service delivery? Um, this is a special issue of World development, I should say, that um, has, is just coming out. It's gonna go into print in November, so we're really excited about that. All right, so we know that technological advancements are affecting everyone's lives. They're affecting policies, they're affecting citizens' welfare, They're frankly affecting how we think about economics and political science themselves. Um, Autocratic politics are being affected. Um, We have had social media and information technology being credited with toppling dictators as well as being credited with helping dictators solidify their power and stay in power. So you can see on a macro scale how important this is for for, uh, politics today. Um, At the same time, I think we're all very well aware of the power in democratic uh, politics for information technology and um, other technological advancements to change the way we learn about what's going on and process uh, what's going on. Um, The very quantity of tweets coming out of the White House right now, I think, is evidence of how much this influences the way we think, influences financial markets directly, So, so this information has a really important role in different types of political systems. Now part of why this is happening now and at this moment is history is what you see in the graphics right here. We see this huge rise uh, since the late 1980s in access both to, on the left hand side here you're going to see um, mobile cellular subscriptions per capita. We now have more mobile cellular subscriptions than we have people. Many people have multiple ones as you can tell by by uh, by these statistics, but they're not only um, Uh, high overall, we also see that even when you look at the subset of low-income countries, this is a staggering increase where more than half of people in low-income country contexts have mobile cellular um, technology. And then if you look at the graphic on the right, individuals using the Internet, we see again a very similar uptake here where even in low-income countries, we see this um, exponential rise in recent years in access to uh, the Internet. So, we can imagine this is massively going to change policies um, and that's what I want to talk about today. The question really of the special issue is can information improve uh, rural service delivery and governance? Now we know that poor individuals disproportionately use public versions of publicly provided goods education systems support poor people typically more than they support, uh, public education systems support the poor more than they support wealthier individuals. So, really high valuation for public services among the poor. And we know that 68 percent of the poor are congregated in rural areas, where on top of having a lot of poor people in those areas, you also have a situation where Often these people are in locations that are costly to serve, not well integrated politically or economically with the rest of the country, and you have massive information asymmetries on both sides, by which I mean you have service uh, providers that may or may not want to know what people demand, but they just don't know what people demand. And service users know little about what are the mandates, capabilities, and budgets that service providers have. So, these information asymmetries, as we can imagine, are going to massively influence what's provided, and that matters for poverty. So governments usually deliver services on top of this precisely in sectors that have high degrees of market failures. So there's not a lot of great information about um, about what is the counterfactual, what should be provided, and this is why it's a very important area of study. Um, Poor rural service delivery can mean low access, it can mean low quality, it can mean low responsiveness, you're not changing the services to meet demands. Um, So improved access to information is one possible route to uh, realizing uh, these improvements in rural service delivery. Just in the news, um, for, for a week now, right, we know that uh, the 2019 uh, Nobel Memorial pri- uh, Prize in Economics uh, went to Banerjee, Duflo, and Kramer, which is really, despite the trend we've all been watching for a long time, this has really cemented the fact that experiments are here to stay. It certainly is not the the only approach to development economics. Uh, my Co author David Evans has just tweeted about that this week. There's still predominantly non RCT studies in the development literature, let's be clear. But this is a very popular uh, method, and it's one in which information type experiments are being tested as well. Information and in providing it is often low cost, so to try to disseminate information and see what this does to policy is becoming popular. So why is information important for rural service delivery? Well, basically, politicians are basing all of their decisions on the information they have at their disposal, given the conditions they find on the ground. There are taxes and spending laws and policies, but they also need information in order to make decisions and prioritize publicly provided goods. For electoral incentives to work, for citizens to sort of punish policymakers at the ballot boxes if they're not doing a good job, citizens also need to know what government has done, what government is capable of, what government's supposed to be doing. And even in a non-democratic context, there's many other ways we know, like protests, that citizens can kind of raise their voices and get them uh, responded to. But this requires information. So this special issue of world development, I'm not gonna get into the individual studies because I'm very fortunate to have uh, three of the chapters being uh, presented today. And my co-editor, Leonard Wanchakan is gonna provide some really interesting remarks um, to close this out. So I'm not gonna get into uh, the content of their papers, but I wanna say that we've got nine studies in this special issue. Um, It's here, hopefully you've gotten a copy or can find it online or find it on Twitter, Um, but um, please tell your friends about it. Um, So, the introduction provides a conceptual framework for predicting when will information bring about positive developments. We also did a systematic review of the evidence, lest we only look at nine papers in a special issue. What do we know about information and what it can do for rural service delivery? And hopefully, we can kind of distill this for you into some lessons for development practitioners about what we know. So, what we find is that it's very important, information is no panacea. It can be very useful, but it needs a few uh, conditions need to be in place. First of all, information has to be perceived as relevant by its recipients. In today's day and age, information is often quickly discarded because people don't consider it relevant uh, to their needs, their concerns, and what's salient to them. Recipients additionally, beyond caring about information, they have to have the power to act upon it and recipients additionally need to have the incentive to act on it. And when we see all three of these conditions in place, this can really improve governance related outcomes. When we don't, then we do not see that happening. And I'm going to quantify that for you in a minute by talking about our systematic literature review. So what does it mean for information to be relevant? Pretty much it means that that information touches on an issue or concern that is salient to the recipient. It's not something they already know, it's something they care about. And that person has to have the education, the knowledge, or the skills to actually understand that information. And this becomes increasingly challenging with the plethora of information we have today. Trying to make sure information is relevant, that individuals can process it, that it is considered meaningful and credible and specific in this world in which, Fake news is proliferating. We have more information than we can possibly deal with. Um, that becomes a higher hurdle than it might have been at other times in history. Often, the sender being credible is important, and so we need to think seriously about that. So, what does it mean to have the power to act on information? Well, we can think of this either for policymakers or citizens. If policymakers are the recipients of information. They have to have the resources, financial or otherwise, the capabilities and the specific mandates legally to that permit them to change their behavior, to improve service delivery in response to information. Citizens um, basically have to have a position in their community and rights to do something with information and often in situations in which there's elite capture when there's individuals that may not have the ears of policymakers, that's a bit more challenging. So, who receives the information? Well, their position and their power matters uh, for what they can do with it. And what does it mean to have the incentives to act on it? Well, for citizens, there's a lot of costs to do something when you have a piece of information. Even attending a meeting or voting or petitioning the government or participating in a protest, trying to talk to a policymaker, or even discussing something with a neighbor, that takes time and energy. And for government, Trying to understand what people want, what they're satisfied with, takes time, as does establishing monitoring systems that can keep uh, frontline service providers accountable. All of this costs money and time, so individuals have to have the incentives to act on information. Um, And it must be net beneficial to do so. So we did a systematic lit review. We had 48 empirical studies. And we found that in 58% of 58 of those studies, there was a situation in which information improve rural service delivery. But for 42% of them, or almost half, it did not. So then, Leonard and I drilled down to look a little bit at, well, what common factors did the studies have where things were working out and improving service delivery? And we found that no cases of positive impacts had any of those conditions missing. You had to have information be relevant, and you needed the power and incentives to act on that information. Without those being in place, information really can't be used to help rural service delivery. And all of the mixed and zero and negative impact studies had at least one of these three conditions missing. On average, about 1.25 were missing. So we consider these necessary conditions, but we really underscore these are not sufficient conditions. There can always be someone that has the incentives to block information from actually changing and improving rural service delivery. So, our key takeaways the institutional context matters. It must be taken seriously. We need to think about the type of information, the pre existing knowledge sets that individual ha- individuals have, and we may also have to temper our enthusiasm for the prospects for information to generate accountability. We can't always predict how information will be understood, how it will flow. Human behavior is inherently difficult to predict. So knowing when information will have an impact can be tough. More modest goals may be necessary. Increased trust in government or increased knowledge about the way government works. These might be intermediate goals on the way to improve rural service delivery, rather than immediately trying to see improved access to schooling, improved access to vaccines and things like that. Government has tremendous power to disseminate information or to block information. Civil society has the same. So we really need to be careful and measured in thinking about the context. And I'd like to make a plug for qualitative research. Uh, Especially people in this wave of RCTs often just jumping in there and doing things quantitatively. We really need to understand what's happening in the context very deeply in order to predict when we're going to have some impact with our experiments. So thank you so much.